So pretty exciting announcement for you guys this week. Um, a lot of people have been requesting that we put some merch up online, uh, some t-shirts and such. So I put a store uh, on our website. So you just go to brewroots.com and you click on shop and you guys can see the merch store so far. So we're going to be adding some new products. Can't wait to hear what you guys think. There's even a Brewroots backpack. Which I'm is so excited for that. Cool. Yeah. So uh, can't wait to show you guys and hope you like the merch. And now on to the episode. That's an episode of Brewroots. And that's a wrap. All right, you guys are listening to another episode of Brewroots. My name is Matt. I'm Emily. And this is the podcast <laughs> that brings you the stories behind your favorite beer. Yeah. How are you today? I'm good. So I wasn't able to join you guys last week. Um, we ended up taking my bunny rabbit to the vet and got some really bad news. Uh, but like with any doctor visit, you should probably get a second opinion because we spent three days lamenting and crying and basically just preparing to lose our beloved bunny rabbit and for the past couple of days she's been acting pretty normal so we think she's going to turn around see i said i hope she'll turn around and yeah miracles happen i said like it's not her time you know she had some swelling in her liver which was really odd uh but we found out that it's possible she got poisoned by some of the hemlock leaves that were falling in our front yard and i've been watching her eat those so hopefully she just you know it passes through and she's going to be fine otherwise you know we're we're prepared we're prepared so sorry i couldn't join you guys last week it's all right i'm back and in much better spirits i'm glad that's that's the case uh this been a crazy week so far uh it was my dad's birthday on monday so happy 61st birthday to my dad my best friend and the person who introduced me to beer so i appreciate you more than you can even imagine oh, papa denaro <laughs> <laughs> and i know he listens so he's gonna hear this but i'm not gonna tell him until he listens happy birthday papa yep so this week we're drinking a couple of beers from Cincinnati. Yeah, my my least favorite city in all of the United States, actually. That's but fine. these beers seem really good, and you know they go along pretty well with the topic this week. Yeah, so we're going to be talking about the history and the process in which sour beers are made. And I actually do think that Cincinnati's making some of the best sour beers out there. Uh, yeah, Ryan Geist makes amazing sour beers. Streetside Brewery is going to be making some amazing sour beers. So I'm pretty excited to try these two because I haven't tried them before. But this uh, is cute too. Like the, the label on it underneath Ryan guy says Cincy made. I've never heard of Cincinnati with like a cute name. Yeah. Cincy. Uh, I mean, that kind of pretty cute. Don't get me wrong. It's got a little ghost on it. But <laughs> yeah, I um, like it. But the raspberry beret is so cool. The yeah. One by street side. It's yes. got this raspberry basically dressed up as Prince, like playing his famous guitar. Yep. With the Prince symbol. Yeah. The Prince symbol and his purple boots so yeah. cute i'm so excited to try it so we're gonna crack this one open and uh ooh, that was a nice crack oh you already oh, you see a pink foam pink foam gotta love the pink foam and uh major shout out to Cat- catastrophe who with sent these to with a k sent these to us uh f- fan out in cincinnati yeah we appreciate it she's great yep oh my lord that is delicious that is crack. um wonderful so we're drinking raspberry beret oh my gosh this is probably my new favorite vice wow this is incredible tell us about it emily okay so this is inspired by the kind you find in a middle ohio college town according to Streetside. and raspberry beret is a tart raspberry berliner vice with an enticing mix of crushed raspberry tantalizing lemon zest and delightful acidity that makes you want to sip it all again it pours a bright magenta and finishes with a light cotton candy head 
we think you'll love her. Um, definitely loving her so far. We'll pour into a glass just so we can see that beautiful color. But I'm so impressed with the foam that's coming off of this. And the flavor is absolutely incredible. I'm getting that tanginess from the lemon zest, but it's not too sour. Oh my gosh. And it's so nice and sweet forward, but without it being too sticky sweet, like you get the tartness from the raspberries too. I'm loving this. Yes. So the next beer I can talk about is I've actually been, had the pleasure of going to Rheingeist Brewery and going to the bar that they collaborated with this. So the Gaming Guru is at 16-Bit. And now 16-Bit's a freaking awesome bar. As long as you buy one beer, and I can tell you beer in Cincinnati is a hell of a lot cheaper than it is in Massachusetts, hmm. you can play any arcade game in there for free. Really? For free. That's awesome. And they have Super Smash Brothers competitions. They've got um, like Wii's and all this crazy stuff in there. So it's pretty cool. That's a fun time. Yeah. They have Do you hear that, Northeast Brewery? Stop making us play, pay for your games. Yeah. Just let us eat. for. We just want to pay for beer. Right. So this beer is a Berliner style Weiss fruit beer. Very similar to Streetside. Weiss. Weiss. Uh, and it is with uh, Bramble smashed with Marionberries and Blueberries. Rich and fruit forward, this brew unlocks secret levels of berry jam and punch you out tartness. And this is called Press Tart from Rheingeist. And uh, this, both are made in Cincinnati, Ohio. So I'm going to try this one. Oh, that's good. It's good. What, uh, do you, what do you, like, what would you say the difference between the two is? Uh, let me try the... Because these are both a Berliner style vice. They're, you know, fruited sour beers. Uh, one actually tastes like raspberry and the other one doesn't well the other one has more going on so it's got marion berries it's yep. got what blueberries. blueberries yeah but i mean when i taste that one if you take a little sip of it the one that we're referring to is the pressed heart mm, from rheingeist okay. so definitely the rheingeist one like this is darker in color it's got that kind of like mixed berry fruit punchy flavor mm -hmm. and it's a much more tart mm -hmm. like i mean it's called the pressed tart so i'm not surprised um but i will say that the raspberry beret like it looks like raspberry that it's deep, rich like purple magenta kind of yeah. color and then the rheingeist is like a little bit darker of a mauve would you yeah. say a mauve color a mauve yes perhaps a light plum so yeah. well, uh i'm excited that i got to try these because we're gonna actually trade with uh catastrophe our version of a a, a, a vice beer from ipswich brewing and it's the cranberry beret oh cool so they make uh their version of it with cranberries and they have a they have a drawing of prince on the can and it comes in a 16 ounce can so i'm really excited f to have her try it we're gonna save a can and try it in comparison with with this one and when it comes out in two weeks from Switch. sweet all right so matt what happened today in beer history oh man today in beer history a little document called the magna carta came out and uh you know it the signing. Yeah, the signing. Took I would place. guess it was a signing, yeah. yeah. And they, I guess that's universally acknowledged as one of the greatest documents in democracy and the cornerstone of what would become America's philosophy of independence. Yeah. No big deal. Independent government, yeah. Well, yeah. And uh, in my opinion, one of the most de democratic provisions was a guarantee of a uniform measure for beer. <laughs> so thank you for signing the Magna Carta in June 15th, 1215. <laughs> You got to think that that little beer, you know, the bit about beer must have been like, you know, section 43, title C, subsection A, like so deep in there. Like, I doubt that anybody really knew what they were agreeing to. But yeah, I, ha I have no clue. But 
hey, big ups to you guys. Big ups to the Magna Carta. Yeah, we love you. Love you like a son. Thanks. Or a daughter. <laughs> so I have a fun fact for you guys. I, I can't wait to... So Emily had texted me this morning and said, I cannot wait to see your live reaction <laughs> to this. So uh, here we go. So I love catchphrases because <laughs> they're just like so daddish and... A couple weeks ago, I told you guys where the expression mind your P's and Q's comes from. Correct. And I believe that's on the History of IPAs episode. History of IPAs, you're right. And this is also an expression that is used really frequently. Um, So back in the day in England, once again, we're starting in England, uh, pub frequenters basically had these glasses that had like a whistle that was kind of made into the glass itself so like picture maybe it was like in the handle of a mug or like around the rim of the glass yep and anytime that they wanted a refill they would literally whistle into their glass wait and the what bartender would come down so the expression i need to wet my whistle, whistle. comes <laughs> from that that's amazing and i was like oh my god i'm so glad we don't have like big you know beer cups with whistles in them anymore like how obnoxious would that be you know, you're sitting at like night shift in Everett with like hundreds of other people oh. just like tweets coming from everywhere. Like, no. Can you imagine being the guy that crushes like 40 beers too? And not really 40 beers, but like. And like, you can whoop barely whoop blow whoop the whoop whistle whoop. at the end. Yeah, yeah. All right. So wet your whistle, Emily. Wet your whistle. I am with the Raspberry Beret. Yeah. Holy <laughs> cow. Those beers are great. Yeah, uh, I'm really impressed. Again, thank you so much, Catastrophe for uh sending us that that way yeah i'm quite partial to a to a vice yeah you guys really pulled through next week we're gonna have beer i believe either from alabama or texas which i'm so excited to scratch another one off um what we're doing here at brew roots is we're doing 50 beers 50 states we have gotten beer from what emily give us a quick count ohio washington uh massachusetts vermont california california Oregon. oregon Hawaii, where are you at? Oh, yeah, seriously. Alaska, where are you at? Alaska, where are you at? Puerto Rico. Louisiana, where are you at? Puerto Rico, where are you at? Iowa. Where are you at? All right, so yeah, you get the gist. If you guys want to send us a beer, we will send you a shirt. And a sticker. And a sticker. Probably a few. Yeah. Probably a stack. We got to stack some stacks some stacks. So this week, we're going to talk about the history and the making of the sour beer. Yes. So... I feel like sour beers are fairly new, but it turned out that I was wrong. No. Oh, man. They are not. And the thing about sour beers is they are acquired taste. So when I first tried a sour beer, I did not like it. And yeah. uh, I just, it was not a taste that I liked. It wasn't something I was accustomed to. I thought it tasted too, not, I wanted it to taste like a Sour Patch Kid. Yeah. I mean, when I first heard about sour beers, this was probably like in the advent of my 21st year, you know, and I was trying to get kind of schooled on everything beer because I knew that when I was 21 I was going to want to go to all the different breweries that were local to me and sort of know what I was talking about and when I heard about sours I'm definitely in it like I'm an adventurer when it comes to flavors and and tasting things so I was like I'm all for it like let's try some stuff yep and I went to night shift and I got a flight of different sours and I was really impressed because I also asked them like, please give me a variety, you know, don't give me too much fruit. Don't give me too much, you know, plain 
sour sour you know so they in, in did your a face really great job. yeah so Lindsay roper from rivertown and i did an interview with rivertown maybe two years ago in a previous podcast explained that the way your brain processes the sour beer is in three ways so you can never trust your first instinct so if you're trying a sour beer for the first time don't go based upon if you enjoy it or if you hate it the reason being is because your brain is kind of is building saliva up and when you drink something that's sour even a sour patch kid mm. you get abundance of of saliva in your yeah, mouth Yeah, it's a shock at first the second tasting so you take a take a sip not a gulp just a sip mm-hmm. digest it keep an open mind the second one will truthfully determine if you like sour beers or that particular sour beer that you're trying because it gives your brain an opportunity to truthfully taste the flavors that you're getting and then the third one's just there to for reassurance that you like what that you tasting. liked what you were tasting. Interesting. So, do you think that there are some people out there that even after their third sip, they're just kind of like, "Yeah, it's not for me." I I've think heard s- a lot of people be like, "No, like gross. I don't like sour beer." No, my and my dad, happy belated birthday again, is not. <laughs> I mean, it's just not a fan of sour beers. He thinks it tastes like turpentine, yeah, vinegar. Um, but he's a huge fan of kombucha. Which is so strange to me. Yeah, kombucha is a little sweeter. But then again, there is a lot of variety in the sour. So yep. maybe he's just not had a good experience with what he's tasted. Well, the, the thing with sours is it, it, there's so many different flavors. You can get like an odd funk. You can get a flavor that's sometimes vinegary. Or you I've can even get some. that taste like sweat. Ooh. And I apparently have. it's like, this sounds nasty, but apparently it's good. Like in a good way. A good sweat. sweat. And then we can have ones that are like vices who have lemon, mm. fruit, and to me... Our wonderful summer drinking beers. Yeah. Uh, Throw those in like a big wine glass. Mm-hmm. But what what's funny about a sour beer, it's not just the flavor that, that characterizes a summer beer, uh, a sour beer. It's the process in which it's made. So, Emily, do you know a little bit about how the process is made? Well, I do know one thing, that sour beers are really, <laughs> they're not made in the traditional sense in that you don't need a sterile environment Correct. to make them. And you use wild yeast. Right. So like your favorite stouts or IPAs, those all have a isolated controlled fermentation. So the beer has a consistent taste. Yeah. Whereas sour beers. I mean, it has to be like medically like sterile in there. Yeah. Right. But with sour beers, they often will brew them in a completely separate room or a separate facility entirely because they don't need that sterile environment. That's and in correct. fact, it's not good because the wild yeast can't thrive. That's right. So that is the basic fact why a lot of your favorite breweries may or may not brew a sour beer because it can mm-hmm. actually infect, you know, a double IPA that you're making or, you know, if you're lagering or anything of that nature. One little strand can destroy a whole batch yeah. of other beer. They have to either be, you know, take a serious interest in the in the sour game and, um, you know, a, a place like Night Shift, which I, of course I've mentioned mm-hmm. a lot, but, you know, they have a variety of different options. It's not like they're just making one um, because it. It's an entire separate operation. Yep. (laughs) All right. So, Emily, tell me more. So, what we know about sour beers, obviously, is that they're sour. And sour taste comes from a level of acidity that you just don't get in a normal beer. Mm -hmm. And the way to introduce that high level of acidity is to bring in a yeast or a bacteria that produces acid. So, there are a couple of different kinds of yeast that are used in the sour beer making process. But what's important to note is that it's wild yeast. and So it's particles that are coming in the air. It's not something that's typically introduced. Yeah, so it's kind of like this raw 
unfiltered process that is natural and we've been doing it for centuries and um, it creates all these different beautiful flavor profiles and we found so many different ways to create new beers from this you know genre of beer and we started fruiting our beers because you know the sour taste that's great but like what goes great with sour fruit Fruit. you know so we started making these like raspberry lambics and like this vice that we're drinking today and even the pressed tart which has like all Mm -hmm. those different kinds of berries or even a watermelon goza which is my favorite Mm. summertime beer i have had from anderson valley uh aha and i also have had like a passion fruit vice that was incredible Mm. um i've had different kinds of like citrusy ones but also i just love like wow the passion fruit really punches you right in the face and it's so nice i am obsessed with passion fruit and i'm just really impressed with um the kind of beautiful melding of the sour and the acid with the sweetness of the fruit i just think they complement each other so beautifully and personally i prefer fruit in my sour beer as opposed to in you know a regular like a like a blueberry <laughs> like wheat yeah. beer or something i know what you're saying and you know i would love to hear what you guys think of this but personally i'm just a bigger fan of bringing fruit in when there's when there's a sour component mm-hmm. agreed yeah so there are a couple of different types of yeast that we use and they've got really long names but i will try to pronounce them so one of them is called Bretanomyces. Bretanomyces. And for short, a lot of brewers call it Brett. Makes sense. Yeah. And apparently it's it can be scary because if you get Brett in other any beers. of your other beers, like you're toast yeah, in you're history. Toast. You're toast. But they're great for sours. And the other one um, is called Lactobacillus. And yeah. then you've got Petiococcus. Mm-hmm. And there's a few others, um, a little bit lesser known. But these are traditionally what are used in, in the sour beer making process. Yes. So there are six primary forms of sour beer. The American Wild Air, the Berliner Weiss, Flanders Red Ale, Goza, Lambeck, and Ould Bruin. What about the Red Ale? I don't know much about the Red Ale, but what I can tell you is... What I've heard is that that is included in the sour family. It's kind of like the sometimes why. Yes. So it is a descendant of an English porter, and the Flanders Red Ale is typically brewed with a with it, it's fermented with a typical brewer's yeast then aged in oak barrels then blended with a younger beer mm-hmm. so that's cool. how it comes in uh berliner weiss is among the better known versions of sour mm-hmm. and that's made with lacto bactilius bacillus bacillus i know it reads Lacto- like bactilius but it's bacillus lacto bacillus uh which is turned sugar into lactic acid mm-hmm. providing the sour flavor kind of lemony yep low in alcohol very heavily crushable um <laughs> The true lambic is referred to um, its main monasteries, and it comes from various batches of infused fruits. Old Bruin is a Flemish brew similar to a Flanders Red, though it's darker and not aged. And then the most acquired taste, and actually my favorite, is the Goza, Ah. which uh, name comes from Gossler, Germany, and it's top fermented, which means it's fermented at temperatures high enough to carry the yeast to the top of the wort. Uh, Brewers use this addition of coriander and salt, for its unique flavor and add lactic acid for the sour. So are people more opposed to Goza just because it's harder to it's, it's like just really sour. Oh, it's really sour and to me I don't think a lot of people are making them. I had a Goza today, but 
other than that, I mean, you don't see m- a ton of places making goza. Yeah. I mean, I see it in the store once in a while, and it's usually like a local place. You don't really see it like mass produced as often. I have had one from Sierra Nevada that was pretty interesting. Um, wasn't my favorite. It was like a little over 3% alcohol, and it was made with like this cactus fruit. Oh, cool. And it, like it was cool, but it was my first goza from what I remember. And I was just like, whoa, this is sour. Like, I don't think I even finished it, you know, and I feel bad about that. But, you know, I, I just think it was kind of a, a hard start. <laughs> but hmm. maybe if I had poured it into a glass and done your kind of three-step technique, it would have been easier. But I was at, like, a campfire with my friends, and I just thought it was going to be, like, this drinkable beer. I was right. like, ooh, cactus fruit. Like, But you also think when you hear sour beer, it's going to taste like a Sour Patch Kid. Fun fact, kids. It yeah. don't. It made like the back of my mouth kind of tingle, which was interesting. Like I was salivating pretty hard and like it wasn't as satisfying as I kind of thought it would be. But, you know, I gave Gozas another chance. I started going to some more local places and getting them like poured in smaller glasses, like in flights, like I mentioned before with Night Shift. And um, I went to like Medusa in Hudson and it was just a little bit easier Uh to swallow. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's do a little brief history of sour beers. Uh, so beers have been going sour before thousands and thousands of years ago. And it really wasn't until our friend Louis Pasteur kind of changed the game. Louis. Yeah. And he helped out, you know, change like the bread industry, cheese. We talked about him in the last episode no, yeah. or two episodes ago with Saintly Cider. Is mm-hmm. that right? That's correct. You guys want to learn more about Louis Pasteur and his influence on beer. Just watch that episode. So Listen to that episode. <laughs> I would agree. Uh, the sour flavor is deemed kind of like an off flavor. So now brewers are starting to launch launch sour programs. But before, that was the, the style that was there. So lambics uh, are the, the oldest style. And those are originated in the Seine Valley in Belgium. They are spontaneously fermented wild ales, inhibit in farmhouse brewing's traditions. The wort is left to cool overnight in the clock ship, basically a big open face top where it is exposed to the open air during the winter and spring and then placed into barrels to ferment and mature. Lambrics are ge- generally served young, which means they are brewed six months prior to consumption hmm. and are looked to as cheap, easy drinking house beers. And funny story is most of those were made by monks. Yeah, if you guys have ever had the Lindemann's Lambic framboise, that is definitely one of my favorite Lambics. Um, it comes in these sort of wine bottle looking bottles. I mean, sometimes you can get them a little bit smaller size. Um, but as far as I remember, they're 500 milliliters. Yep. And uh, they typically run, I'd say, maybe just over $12, 12 or 14 bucks. And they're really good. And if you have like a, you know, you're doing like a date night in or something, um, or you're just having a couple friends over, like mm-hmm. it's really cute. You just get some wine glasses, pour everybody a little taste of Lambic. And I have changed a lot of people's minds about beer with this one because I have friends who are like, ew, like you are into beer. I'm just like, I'm not a beer girl or I'm not a beer guy. And I can typically change their mind with something a little off the beaten path, like a sour that's fruited or like a really delicious, like hearty Pilsner. Um, so if you guys haven't had the Lindemann's Lambic, it's really like widely available and it has like a really old school yellow label and a green bottle mm-hmm. and like a little happy foil top that you can rip off and pop like a champagne bottle. Yeah. All right. So listeners, there's really no excuse for you guys never <laughs> to have tried Lindemann's. Yeah, because it's been around literally for like what? They've been around since 1811. Yeah. 
Exactly. So like, like, come on, get on the bandwagon. Yeah, get on your bandwagon. There's so much history behind sours, and honestly, probably not as popular uh, knowledge. So we're bringing it to you. Yeah. So like we said, sour beers have been around forever because that's the only way beers could have been made back then because there was no pasteurization. So the earliest evidence of beer dates back to 7,000 BC. That's nearly five millennia before the Great Pyramid of Giza was even constructed. Like, Are you going to tell me that the first beers were sours? I'm not going to tell you that, but I'm not not going to tell you that. Interesting. So, I mean, it's it's up for speculation. Obviously, we can't try that beer now. But I don't think they had pasteurization methods. So, we can assume that there was a higher presence of yeast, therefore more acidity? Mm-hmm. Interesting. So, brief history of sour beers is they've been around forever. So, why aren't you drinking them? Because. <laughs> in America, we've come more accustomed to mixed culture fermentation. So we have more of a taste for mixed culture fermentation here in the United States and, if I'd argue, globally around the world. When you hear the term sour, it has a taboo. Uh, yeah, it's definitely. Old. It's not going to be good for you. Uh, sour milk. Would you try sour milk? Nope. Exactly. So when you hear the term sour, it has a taboo feeling. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like I said, I have talked to friends and been like, "Have like, what's you know? do you drink sours? Like, what kind of sours do you like to drink? And they're like, oh, no, I don't really... And I'm like, have you tried them? And they're like, no, not really. I'm like, come on. I wish that there were a better way to call them, like, you know, acid forward beards. Well, but f- even then, like, then n- people are still going to get tripped up around the idea of it. I do think we are acidic. seeing the term sour go a little bit less because now we have, we have an example. I mean, we have two beers in front of us that don't say sour on them, right? Yeah. And I would argue that maybe that's on purpose because they don't want mm-hmm. people to get tripped up on the idea of it being too sour all marketing because like these are not i mean the pressed tart definitely is super tart but it doesn't necessarily have to be like tart forward for it to be a sour it would be like calling a double ipa heavily hopped beer (laughs) right or something like that like only hops yeah and someone might not like that but they like the idea it's double ipa and I feel like this kind of goes with a lot of the different styles that we talk about. Like the term is really flexible mm-hmm. and people are constantly inventing new ways and new flavors. So when you hear a sour, don't, <laughs> I guess, don't think sour first. No, you know? just try it. Just think of it as being something maybe a little bit more natural and <laughs> wild. I just want you to think about it this way. The brewers are taking a huge freaking risk Yeah. trying to make this beer because it could affect their whole infrastructure exactly i mean they're kind of going out on a limb when you think about it because if there is kind of a stigma around the idea of a beer being sour and you think you've cornered your market and you know it's going to be profitable and then you know it doesn't sell as well you know you're taking a huge risk Mm -hmm. so again just so much credit to the brewers that are like being innovative with different types of sours because they're doing the good work yeah they are not everybody is brave enough agreed well emily thank you so much for talking about some sours with me there's another thing i want to talk about today all right fill me in well we got a gift (laughs) 
and it is really freaking cool. So today we drank our sours out of this little device. It's called the Physics Way Tap, and that's physics spelled F-I-Z-Z-I-C-S. Yes, and so it's like a little play on <laughs> like beer and fizz. Uh, so their little tagline is untap the full taste of beer. So this is like this mini tap that you can have like in your dorm room if you're over 21. Of course. And or you even on top it, of your like, mini fridge. Yeah. On top of your mini fridge like me. Or you could have it at your bedside table if that's how you get down. You know, you and your significant other want to have a little beer in bed. Go for Ooh. it. Because this thing is like really compact. Um, it's this like kind of shaped let's say it's like as tall as a wine bottle and you just pop you know pop the top open you put a bottle or a can inside and it can fit 16 ounce cans it can fit the conventional size can a bottle yeah it's nice and tall Mm -hmm. and it's very very easy you know you, you have to make sure the bottle or the can is open you feed the little straw down inside and then you tap it just like you would a normal tap and it just gives you like a really nice pour it gets a nice head on the top it just kind of like re you know invigorates all the flavors back up inside and gets it nice and mixed for you and i mean this is just kind of cute like it's for your backyard party it's just kind of like a sort of a novelty thing but there's a little bit of science behind it uh so it has these patent pending fluid dynamics and sound technology to enhance the flavor and taste of beer and it has what they call their you know their trademarked microfoam technology so it leverages sound waves to convert the beer's natural carbonation into densely compact uniformed bubbles that enhance the aroma and enrich the texture and taste of your beer so if you're trying a beer for the first time you feed it up through the physics thing Mm. and you can really like get the full aroma you can get the full flavor and that nice mouthfeel which is obviously my favorite part and if you're looking for the perfect gift for the dads or the grads totally physics is giving an offer right now on their website so their website is buyphysics.com and you can get 25 percent off the physics of original and free growler with the promo code double tap super cool that offer ends 617 so it's two days from now don't forget father's day is this weekend perfect gift for your pop or the grads or anybody else that you know yeah. that likes beer. Yeah. So thank you so much, Physics, for sending that. Uh, and disclaimer, we don't make any money off that discount. Yeah, we don't. <laughs> we don't make any money. But we're just really happy to get this as a gift. It's so nice. It's white, beautiful, and I love it. Yeah, it kind of looks like some kind of Amazon Alexa, but with like a beer tap on it, which uh, is super cute. It'd be so funny if Physics was like, uh, Alexa, pour my beer. And it's like... Oh, rah, one rah. day. Oh, I'm sure. I'm surprised we don't have that already. But we I'm will. sure it's in their product roadmap. Uh, and the cool thing about this, too, is that it's got this little, like, um, a drain in mm. it. So if you slip up a little bit. And it's got, like, a rubber grip. Super so easy to clean. put on, like, stays put. Yeah. Easy to clean. Every little, like, part, like, the little rubber um, slots come right out. And it, it just comes comes apart very easily. So thanks, Perfect. guys. Thank, Thank you, you, Physics, so for sending us that. Pretty exciting. All right. So more importantly, people who are listening that don't follow us, follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Emily, where can we be found? Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Brewroots on everything. We can also be found at www.brewroots.com. We're always looking for feedback on ways we can improve. So info at Brewroots.com is our very public email address. Send us your questions. Yeah. Send us your criticisms. All right. So I'm going to talk about next week's episode. So I didn't even discuss this with you. Ooh. But this episode is two exits up north from us. Well, here's the thing, Matt. We have a content calendar, and I already read it, so mm. I'm briefed. But please let our listeners. So know. our 
next episode takes us to Amesbury, Massachusetts, home of Brewery, Brewery Sylvaticus. Yes. And so exciting. I love Brewery Sylvaticus because they have an amazing beer garden. I'm not going to tell you more. I have some great pictures of what I did there last weekend. We'll throw those. On We're going to throw them the on Instagram. The yeah. And uh, you can hear because their story is like no other. We'll come back next week with some cool beer facts, some beer news. Maybe we'll drink some. We're going to be drinking some Alabama or Texas beer. Yeah. Hopefully, maybe even both. Who Can't knows? Can't wait. And we'll give you guys a little shout out. We will. Very excited. Awesome. So we'll give you a little sneak peek of that episode. And uh, anything else, Emily? No, I think I'm all set, Matt. I'm ready to just finish off this vice and start my weekend. Let's start our weekend strong. All right. Thanks for listening, guys. Cheers. Cheers.